This episode features dramatizations of gore and harm against minors and animals, as well as references to domestic violence, sexual assault, and post-traumatic stress. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of Hercules and the Lernaean Hydra. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Greek legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. This week we begin our series on the monsters of the Twelve Labors of Hercules. While you might recognize some of these from Disney movies, the truth of these creatures is anything but family-friendly. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today we're covering the Lernaean Hydra, the monster Hercules must slay for his second labor. You might be familiar with Marvel's Hydra, a terrorist organization, but the monster behind the name is far scarier than anything S.H.I.E.L.D. has to deal with. It's a snake-like, many-headed monster that is entirely unkillable. Because when you cut off one head, two more take its place. Coming up, Hercules hunts the Hydra. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Often considered Greece's greatest hero, Hercules took part in epic expeditions and great wars. He freed cities from oppressive tyrants, and most importantly, he fought monsters. After all, he was born to be a hero as the son of the god Zeus, and he proved himself young, very young. When Zeus's wife Hera found out that the human princess Alcmene had given birth to twins, one of which was her husband's child, she sought revenge, sending two monstrous snakes to kill the babies. But thanks to his father, even as a tot, 
Hercules had nearly godlike strength and crushed the beasts. This was just the first of Hercules' many heroic deeds. Later in life, he saved the city of Thebes and married its princess, Megara. The couple had three brave and boisterous sons. Life seemed perfect for the young hero, but Hera was still watching him, and she couldn't live with his happiness. She enchanted him, causing him to see his wife and sons as enemies. So Hercules did what he'd learned to do. He slayed them. Hera only removed her spell when his loved ones were in pieces. The hero's perfect life was shattered, and devastated, he sought out penance. It was the only way he could cope with what he'd done. That penance came in the form of service of King Eurystheus and the king's ten impossible tasks. The first was to slay the Nemean lion. Hercules made short work of it and hung the beast's impenetrable hide on his shoulders. Next came the Lernaean Hydra. Like the Nemean lion, the Hydra belonged to Hera, and she raised it specifically to destroy Hercules. The goddess placed the beast in Lerna, a marshy area on the coast of a Greek peninsula called Peloponnese. During the Bronze Age, the area held a large lake, healing springs, and even a supposed entrance to the underworld. The Hydra's arrival upended everything in this magic place. The monster destroyed the healing springs and poisoned the lake, so Eurystheus sent Hercules to kill it as if it was going to be easy. But the king left out some very vital details. As Hercules walked towards Lerna, he had the strangest instinct he was being followed. But when he looked behind him, he saw no one. The marshy landscape was desolate and flat. Hercules should have been able to see anyone approaching. Still, he swore he heard something. Hercules groaned. If anyone was after him, it was probably thanks to Athena. She had warned him he should take someone along, that he'd need a second set of eyes and an extra pair of hands, someone to keep his temper in check and his wits about him. But Hercules knew it was better not to drag anyone into this. Hera had taken his family from him, but he wouldn't take anyone else's. Besides, he was Hercules. He definitely didn't need the help. He looked around one more time, then pushed the thought away. He needed to focus on the task at hand. Eurystheus had called it a snake. He'd been mildly amused by this, as he was frequently surrounded by humans and gods who could fit the same description. But they were far more trouble than any monster. The beasts were easy compared to humans. Hercules didn't have too much information about the Hydra, as nobody had survived seeing it. But he did know it killed a large group of priests all at once. If the Hydra was only a snake, it was a very large one. Still, size was overrated as an obstacle. Hercules trekked forward, careful to keep his feet out of the swamp. He wasn't hearing or seeing any signs of a large creature, but there were those footsteps again. This time, Hercules was sure of it, but he didn't turn around. He kept his gaze ahead and walked casually to see what his pursuer would do next. 
the footsteps fell into the same cadence as his own. Hercules placed his hand on his sword, then varied his speed, but whoever was following him stayed in perfect step. In a lightning-quick whir of movement, Hercules turned around. He caught the rustle of leaves in a nearby bush, but that was all. Could this be the snake? He looked for any sign of twisting movement through the grass. Instead, he saw a flash of dark hair. His son? No, it was another trick. Hercules shook his head. If he closed his eyes, he could see his son's limbs strewn across the floor of his house. He would not be fooled into going down this path again. Listen, he told himself. The leaves shook again. Hercules grunted. It might not be his son, but that was definitely human. He had an audience for this task. The least they could do was say hello. Show yourself, villain. A shape rose from the bush, and Hercules was so surprised, he jumped, almost toppling over backward. He was facing down his 14-year-old nephew. The boy had his father's small but compact size, and his grandmother Alcmene's high cheekbones. The square jaw that ran in the family was still coming in. It reminded Hercules of his carefree days playing with Iolus's father. But those times were long gone, and this journey was not fit for children. Iolus, what are you doing here? You should be at home with your father. Iolus's voice shook as he said, I think you need some company. Hercules didn't have time for this. He had labors to complete. You think wrong. Turn around. I can handle these tasks on my own. They don't call me the greatest hero Greece has ever known for nothing. Iolus didn't budge. He was defiant. You can tell me to go, but you can't stop me from staying. Hercules thought about picking the kid up and throwing him into the marsh. That would teach him a lesson. But it was a little too mean for his nephew. So instead, he turned on his heel and resumed his walk. Let Iolus try to keep up with a demigod. Iolus did try, but it was comical. The boy had to run to keep up with his uncle's gait. And yet, he didn't seem deterred. Hercules, do you think a snake is more dangerous than a lion? Hercules rolled his eyes. But maybe a few minutes of chatter would appease his nephew. What do you think? Iolus cocked his head to the side, still trotting. Well, the snake has venom, but the lion has teeth and claws. Hercules, do you think we'll find out soon? Hercules grunted. He considered finding a lion to chase his nephew home when the gods provided a better distraction. A dead body lay ahead. Hercules rejoiced. His challenge must be nearing. He jogged over to the corpse, ready for signs of venom or fangs. Instead, the body was so mangled, Hercules could barely tell it was a man. His face was badly burned, and his body shredded to bits. Hercules had never seen anything like it. Whatever had attacked him, the man had not been prepared for it. Iolus vomited. Hercules smirked. Maybe the boy would learn that adventure came with consequences and leave him alone. 
In the meantime, he knelt down beside the corpse for a closer look. There were large talon marks raked across the torso and lizard-like footprints in the ground beside it. Strange, he thought. Maybe this area had monsters other than the snake. Iolus began to ask a question, but Hercules cut him off. Be quiet, or I'll toss you to whatever killed him. Silence followed. Hercules was relieved, but it wasn't long before he realized it was not his order that had made Iolus quiet. It was what his nephew had spotted. Up ahead, a creature was curled in the shadows. It was at least six times Hercules' height and had four dragon legs sprouting out of its bottom. When it stirred, every curve of its body coiled and constricted. It was impressive, but as Hercules sized it up, he quickly decided he'd make short work of it. It was just a large snake with legs. It didn't even have the many heads Eurystheus had mentioned just one. Hercules almost felt regretful. He'd been anticipating a real challenge. Watch this, he told Iolus. He picked up a rock and threw it at the creature, hoping to wake it up. Suddenly, the hydra's forked tongue flicked out of its mouth, tasting the humid air. Then one head emerged behind the first one, then another, and another. The Hydra's nine heads unfolded like a fan. Iolus exclaimed, Whoa, it has... Hercules shushed him. Yes, I see them. Each head was a slick, dark green, and its scales tight and smooth. In each mouth, Hercules could see many sets of long, pointed fangs glistening with poison and its glowing yellow eyes watched him as a cat might a mouse. Hercules unsheathed his sword. So this might take a bit longer than expected, but no big deal. He just needed to get a closer look at things and to be careful about his attack. But Iolus quickly distracted him. He drew his own sword and yelled, Uncle, I'm about to make you proud, charging straight for the monster. Coming up, Hercules takes on the heads. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath. From murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed, confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. 
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. All nine of the Hydra's heads whipped towards Iolus as he charged. Their eyes squinted, tracking his movements. Then, just as Iolus got closer, the far right head cocked back and spat smoking liquid. Hercules dove for Iolus and yanked him to the muddy ground. There was a crater where Iolus had been moments ago, filled with acid. Dead fish and frogs floated on the surface. I told you to go home, Hercules muttered. Iolus didn't have time to respond. The monster was hissing at Hercules, and its heads bobbing to and fro, as if looking for some hidden weakness in the hero before it. Normally, Hercules would have said he didn't have one, but right now, unfortunately, he did. His leech of a nephew. Iolus, go home. I can take care of this on my own. Hercules squared his shoulders and adjusted his grip on his sword. He expected to hear Iolus running away, splashing through the marshland, but the boy remained by his side. Hercules kept one eye on the Hydra, but glanced sharply at Iolus. Now! Iolus swallowed, some of his nerve clearly gone. You need me. I can help. The Hydra took a step closer. Hercules put his hand up as if telling the monster to hold on a second. He eyed the razor-sharp fangs in each of its nine mouths. He was a demigod, thanks to his father, but that didn't protect him from injury. If he wasn't careful, a lucky shot of acid and he'd end up with a hole in his cheek, or worse, his bicep. He didn't know what he'd look like with a scar, let alone if he could get one in the first place. Either way, wounds didn't match his invincible persona. His nephew needed to leave. Iolus, as your champion, I order you to go back home. Tell whatever tale you want to your friends, but go. Still no running footsteps. Hercules felt his anger rising. He turned to face Iolus fully. It will be kinder for you to die by my hand than the Hydra's. One of the Hydra's heads cocked back as if about to spit. Iolus was shaking. I don't believe you. Hercules lost his patience. He pushed Iolus away from him. He used only a fraction of his strength, but it was enough to send the boy sprawling and out of the stream of Hydra spit. Hercules weaved between the reeds, dodging the acid spittle with ease. Strategy had never been his forte, but he planned to do what he always did, hurt the thing until it stopped moving. Monsters could be dangerous, but they all died with enough force. That did leave the question of how to hurt the thing. 
His first goal was to reach the Hydra's torso and damage it as best he could. At least Iolus had fled, and he could do this how he liked it, alone. Hercules took a breath, quick and deep. Then he charged. He danced in and out of the beast's curving necks and snapping mouths, more gracefully than any Olympic athlete. Quickly, he reached the beast's torso and slashed at the green scales with all his strength. But nothing happened. They were as hard as stone. Hercules shook his head and pulled his sword away. He was considering a new tactic when a head reared down to his level, which was not ideal. It faced him eye to eye and smirked at him. Then he felt the great whip of its tail. Hercules stumbled backwards, nearly losing his footing in the shallow water. The monster leaned over him, snake heads arcing to and fro. They hissed at him almost playfully. Hercules didn't like being toyed with. Nice trick, try it again. He adjusted the grip of his sword and dove back into the fray. This time, he stayed off to the left side and sliced through the farthest neck. The monster screeched, spitting up so much acid it was almost vomit. Hercules dodged out of the stream and gave himself a small moment of celebration. Now he just had to do that eight more times. And if he'd done it once, he could do it again. Victory was assured. Again, he ran around the Hydra, headed to the left, but then he realized that something was very, very wrong. A strange sound filled his ears, a slick slithering and a series of sharp cracks. At first, Hercules thought the Hydra was shedding its serpentine skin, but it wasn't shedding anything. It was growing. A pair of new heads had sprouted from his slash. Instead of three heads on the left, the Hydra now had five. Hercules felt a cold sweat sprout up across his body. How had Eurystheus failed to mention this aspect of the beast? But then he realized Eurystheus might not have known because no one had lived to tell the tale. One of the new heads swooped down towards Hercules. He dodged low, throwing himself into the muck in order to avoid the outstretched fangs. He was up in an instant and ran towards the tree line, his mind racing. If he cut off all original nine heads, he'd be fighting 18 heads. If he cut off those 18, well, there was no need to do that math. He darted behind a large willow tree. The hydra screeched and thrashed about, knocking over trees as it searched for him. Hercules clenched his jaw. At least I'll hear it coming. Hercules heard a laugh. He looked up into the branches to see an owl, a very familiar one. I'm in the middle of something, laugh at me some other time. The owl swooped down to a lower branch and transformed. Athena, Hercules' gray-eyed half-sister, the goddess of military victory and wisdom, sat above him, her legs dangling down. She placed her hand under her chin, sighing. 
This is such an easy puzzle and you're already stumped. This is why I like Theseus better. Between the Hydra and Athena, Hercules would much rather be fighting the Hydra. He liked being able to solve problems with his fists. That was what they were for. Well, tell me the answer and I'll try it out. Athena shook her head. That would be too easy. We all know you prefer to make things difficult for yourself. Besides, I gave you the solution already and you chose not to listen. Hercules wasn't interested in the past. He had a multi-headed beast to get back to. He cracked his neck and rolled his shoulders, warming up for round two. All right, well, thanks for nothing. For the first time in Hercules's life, his muscles ached, his vision swam, and he wondered if this might be the end. But if it was, he'd go down fighting. He lunged forward, choosing power over accuracy. He felt his blade bite into something. He pushed forward until he felt the sword come free of the flesh it had torn. But when he looked at it, it wasn't green. It was pink and olive and red, the body of a small boy, his son. The stinging heat of acid near his feet snapped him out of his hallucination. He had sliced another head, but yet again, two more emerged out of the stump. Hercules's whole body tensed. He needed to regroup, but he couldn't run away. To do anything other than kill this creature was to dishonor the people he most loved in the world, his family, the people he had killed. Something on the edge of his vision was burning. Great, the acid must have set some of the peat bog aflame. The last thing he needed right now was a forest fire. But the flame didn't grow. It just moved towards him. It wasn't a fire burning in the forest. It was Iolus carrying a torch. Coming up, Iolus saves the day. Now back to the story. Hercules gritted his teeth. He'd told Iolus so many times not to help, but here he was, literally playing with fire for some reason. He assumed it had something to do with Athena, but she was being cryptic and he was tired. Iolus picked his way through the bog, hiding from the screeching Hydra as best he could. Finally, the boy scrambled beneath the willow tree and handed Hercules the flaming branch he'd fashioned into a torch. He had an irritatingly goofy smile on his face. This will help. Hercules stared at him. How? Iolus stumbled over his words. You know, to cauterize the neck stumps when you chop off the heads. He smiled again. Athena told me you were having trouble. Hercules was not happy about that rumor. I was not having trouble. This thing is just complicated. But thank you, I'll take it from here. He reached forward to take the torch. Iolus stepped back. We're supposed to do this together. Hercules groaned. Athena told you that? Iolus pulled the torch back out of Hercules's reach. No, common sense did. You don't have enough hands. I can keep up, I promise. Hercules wasn't sure. He shouldn't need help. He was Hercules. He was supposed to be known as Greece's greatest hero. 
Aeolus held his uncle's gaze. I can do this. You are my hero. Think of me as your protege. Hercules sighed. If Aeolus fell in this fight, their family line would be dead, cut down by Hercules twice over. And yet, it was a line of generals, of heroes. On the human side, too. Hercules supposed he would have trained his own sons if they had lived. Why would he deny his twin's child the same honor? Hercules took a deep breath. Then he nodded. He led his nephew along the tree line towards the Hydra. He gave the boy one last look of reassurance. Maybe this was being a hero. Hercules let out a battle cry and ran towards the Hydra. He swung wide to keep the monster's attention as best he could. Fifteen pairs of yellow eyes stayed locked on Hercules, but didn't see Aeolus moving towards its back. Hercules grinned. He loved being the center of attention. Hercules wove between the Hydra's heads. They snapped and spit at him, each trying to be the first to grab him. Hercules kept his body low to the ground, dodging left or right if the fangs came too close. He caught a glimpse of Aeolus in between dodges. The boy and his flame were making steady progress towards the backside of the Hydra. Soon he would be in position, and the truly hard part would begin. Finally, Aeolus was exactly where he needed him to be. Hercules dodged to the right and sprinted towards his nephew. The heads followed him, just as Hercules had hoped they would. One of the heads rushed towards him, fangs flared. He leapt upwards onto its neck, then he brought his sword down. The Hydra's head fell to the earth. Aeolus quickly brought the torch to the bleeding stump. Hercules had to move on and keep swinging. He didn't have time to see if the plan was working, choosing to trust Aeolus instead. He took down the next two sets of heads in one blow. Aeolus pressed the flame against the severed necks, one after the other. Hercules could smell burning flesh. Then he heard Aeolus behind him. He sounded cheerful, and he was counting down. Eleven. It was working. Hercules grinned and taunted the monster. He charged the beast, then retreated, leading the snapping heads on a dramatic chase. Just when they thought they had a chance at catching him, he turned and sliced through three necks in a row. Aeolus barreled in behind him, thrusting the torch into the wounds. The Hydra's green skin blistered and bubbled. Hercules was close enough to see something pushing at the burned skin from the inside, but the seal held. Hercules could hear his nephew counting. Ten, nine, eight. Aeolus was right. Hercules's nephew could keep up. He could help. And as difficult as it was to admit it, Hercules couldn't have done this on his own. The Hydra was frightened. It shrieked and flailed, kicking up waves in the bog. Seven, six, five, four. But it seemed to have realized that Aeolus was an actual threat. Four heads turned in his direction. Hey, Hercules, watch this! Aeolus yelled. 
Then he blew the torch flames in the Hydra's face. Iolus, no! Hercules screamed, but it was too late. The last remaining heads hawked back. Hercules sprinted at Iolus and grabbed him, barely saving him from the exploding flames. Hercules grabbed the torch. Iolus lay on the ground, shaking. I'm sorry, uncle. I got too confident. I shouldn't have. Hercules helped his nephew to his feet. It's okay. Just take the plan seriously next time and no funny business. We work together, okay? Iolus nodded. The monster shrank back with a panicked hiss. It knew it was dying. Hercules swung his sword through another neck, then another, and another. Iolus followed. There was only one more left. Hercules grew bold. He knew his sword couldn't puncture the Hydra's midsection, so he climbed it instead, extending his hand to his nephew. Iolus took it, and Hercules lifted him up onto the Hydra's back. The Hydra turned around in circles, trying to bend its back and tail high enough to reach them. Iolus struggled to stay balanced on the beast's back, but Hercules held him steady. Ready? Iolus grinned. The Hydra's last head arched back, jaws wide. It swept down on them, but Hercules swept up, cutting it in two, then cleaving it from its neck. Iolus swooped in to burn the empty stump. The Hydra's body quivered and quaked, the legs giving way. Iolus yelped, but Hercules held him and leapt smoothly to the ground. Iolus's clothes were soaked with mud and peat. Hercules laughed. You'll get used to it. Hercules looked down. There was something swirling in the water beneath his feet. He pierced it with his sword and pulled it out of the muck. It was the split-open head of the Hydra. It wasn't dangerous, but it was still bleeding and snapping, still alive. Athena's voice came from above. Could be convenient, don't you think? Hercules looked to the trees, an owl transformed into the goddess. She winked at Hercules. Forever unkillable. Hercules didn't need a hint on this riddle. The head contained poison, something that would be valuable in future fights. Perhaps even his biggest, longest fight, not against a monster, but a goddess, Hera. He removed his quiver from his back and pulled out several arrows, which he dipped into the Hydra's flowing blood. Athena nodded, approving. Best to keep those somewhere safe and out of sight, don't you think? Hercules grunted, but she was right. He wrapped them up in cloth. The head still wriggled in his free hand, but it was safe for now. He turned to Iolus. Now thank Athena for giving you instructions instead of telling you a riddle. Athena shook her head, looking down at Iolus with pride. I only made the tree branch fall. He figured out the riddle. She turned back to Hercules. I knew you wouldn't listen to me, but I'm glad you've learned to listen to others. Hercules refused to respond, but he knew that she was right. 
he wasn't the only hero that mattered. He put his muddy arm around Iolus's muddy shoulders. They watched Athena take to the sky in her owl form once more. Hercules had conquered another monster, but there were still eight more monsters to go. And if they were anything like the Hydra, he would need all the help he could get. The first record of the Hydra we have comes from Hesiod's Theogony, a text from around the 8th century BCE. That story, like ours, says that the Hydra was the child of Echidna and Typhon, raised by Hera and slain by Hercules and Iolus with Athena's help. But there's no mention of the multiplying heads until around the 5th century BCE. It's possible this is the creative invention of the playwright Euripides. Mentions of the Hydra go on to multiply all the way into modern culture. Today, if you call a problem a Hydra, you're referring to the many complications that spring up the second you think that a problem is solved. In Hercules' case, this labor was unique because it was the first time he worked with Iolus. His nephew would go on to appear at his side for the rest of their lives, but the Hydra starts the relationship strong. Because when a problem gets too big, solving it can feel like taking a shot in the dark. And sometimes, someone else might need to light the torch. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another beast from Hercules' labors, the Cyrenian Hind. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Riche, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 